Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you. Great weekend in many respects for those of us that uh, wear the maroon and white. Just back from Knoxville. Matter of fact, I got back in the wee hours of the morning, but up early to go ahead and record this show. Busy day in front of me today. And I uh, want to make sure that we get the show out. A lot, a lot to talk about. Great experience. Uh, really enjoyed Knoxville, really enjoyed the, the people of Tennessee, really enjoyed winning another SEC series. And yes, we should have swept a series. Okay, smart guy. Yes, we should have already swept a series. But that we're going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about every game. We're going to talk about some things maybe you are aware of and some things you're not aware of. Uh, but excited to be back with you today. And, and again, another great, great, great weekend in Mississippi State baseball. And there there begins to be a one of these things that um, – there is a belief among this team that uh, they can compete and beat anybody they play on any given day. This team 
never feels outclassed. They never feel out of a ball game. They never feel like it's over. They never feel like it's just not their day. There's just a grinder mentality with this team that uh, is a little different. You know, and I think some of that maybe we developed last year. Maybe you begin to kind of begin to, to believe in yourselves and each other maybe last year down the stretch. You know, and I think that it's kind of carried over into this year. But they're beginning to kind of figure some things out, still tinkering with some things. And I know, you know, as a person of routine, it's one of those things you think, oh, my goodness, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? Why can't we get things settled? But when you've got some issues at play, and there have been some issues defensively, there have been some issues offensively, I respect the fact that we've got a head coach in Chris Lamonis. It's not just going to accept the status quo and say, well, here we go. We're going to tinker and tinker and tinker and uh, until we find the right lineup. And listen, the right lineup today may not be the right lineup in Omaha or in, in May or in, in April or whatever. It's, it's one of those things where some guys get hot, some guys begin to struggle, and you never know what's going on behind the scenes. You never know, you know, who just broke up with their girlfriend or, you know, who's got a, you know, a family illness or something. You never, you never know. But uh, I respect the fact that Coach Lamonis uh, is willing to kind of try some different things, and that included shaking the lineup a little bit on this weekend. So we'll get into all that. I want to thank our, our great friends at Campus Bookmark for what they do to allow us to bring you the latest, greatest, and coolest information about the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Stan Ray, the whole crew there, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole Campus Bookmark family, they, they will treat you like family because you are family. Many of you bought your textbooks at Campus Bookmart when you were students here. Now it's time to go back and outfit your family, your automobile, your pet, your Winnebago, whatever you have. Anything that you need, Mississippi State related, you can get right there at Campus Bookmart. That includes the latest in polos. And you listen, you're going to be spending a lot of time at Dirty Noble Field. It's going to be warm. You need some summer wear. Go by and grab that at Campus Bookmart. And if you can't make it in, into town, and maybe, maybe game day's a tough day for you to shop. Go to campusbookmart.net, and we'll use a promo code BSR. That stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Makes it easy to remember. BSR. That gets you free shipping on all orders over $50. And any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So, uh, a big week last week, but our top story. And uh, it's, it's one of those things you begin to kind of take a step back and you realize how difficult it is at times to appreciate greatness in the moment. And we have had a lot of it in the last several years. You know, we had the Dak Prescott era where you saw some things we never thought we'd see with Mississippi State football. We've had this amazing run in women's basketball with Victoria Vivians and Tierra McCowan and, and so many great players. And, uh, and, and it's made us look at women's basketball completely different. I mean, if you go look at our Twitter feeds from last night, a lot of people are you know, talking about – Notre Dame losing, including myself. Happy to see that. But uh, we've learned to care about something that before was just kind of a, you know, something else that was on the radar. It wasn't anything that we really invested emotionally in. And then we see Jake Mangum. And uh, so Jake Mangum on Friday night becomes Mississippi State's all-time career hits leader. And uh, I was there to witness that. And uh, I will consider it one uh, one of the finest moments of my career to be able to be there to per- per- personally witness that record falling. I uh, was a big fan of Jeffrey Ray years ago. Still think Jeff is, a, is an unbelievable guy. Every time I see Jeff Ray, he always speaks, says hello, very down to earth. It's a wonderful person. Uh, and so it's not like Jake is uh, ripping the record away from somebody undeserving. Uh, it's uh, two really class guys there. But Jake uh, breaks the record, you know, of course ties it, breaks it, 
and uh, we had a chance to, to speak with Jake after the, the ball game. And the only place that you can see Jake Mangum talk about the record and his reaction for breaking the record is on jeanspage.com. You can go over there. That video is free. You can watch it. You can share it. It's been shared on Facebook over 100 times, about 1,500 comments out there. And so it's available for you. You can go look at our, our Bulldogs 247 Sports uh, Facebook page, whatever. You can find it on Twitter. Just go look at Gene's page. You'll find it. But uh, he was very humbled in the moment. And uh, one of the situations you look at and say, okay, you know, this is, a, this is a guy that gets it. You know, he has a real appreciation for our tradition and our history here at Mississippi State. He understands how important the people that came before him are. So this is not, you know, Jake, you know, hot dog or anything like that. You could just kind of see there was just some finality in the moment and a real appreciation of what this milestone means, not just for him, but for all of us. And uh, it's a huge, huge deal. And, uh, you know, Jake, again, is the catalyst that kind of stirs the drink. We, that, we do not win that Friday night ball game without Jake Mangum. It's as simple as that. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, and, and everybody was kind of laughing about it. There was an exchange on Twitter where, you know, some guy would, uh, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to embarrass his family. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're ashamed of his comments, too, saying that we should focus more on the team accomplishments rather than Jake Mangum's individual accomplishments. That is one of the uh, silliest things, perhaps, that has ever been posted online in the history of Al Gore's internets. But, uh, but all that said, Jake is the catalyst for this offense. Just about every time State needs a big rally, either Jake is the guy getting on base, advancing the run, or driving the run in. He is somehow involved. And so when we go back and let's look at this Friday ball game, Jake, uh, four for six in the ball game. Four for six. Tennessee, you know, comes out after we get back-to-back doubles. You know, the very first pitch that ball game, uh, Jake laces a double into uh, into left center, and it kind of felt like, okay, well now we're off and running a little bit. Now we're going. We put up one in the first, and it seemed like we were going to be okay. But Garrett Stallings, Tennessee's pitcher, he was absolutely outstanding. I mean, it, it, he really kept us off balance. I, you, I had heard a lot about him. His numbers were kind of grotesque, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, like his his uh, strike to walk out, his strikeout to walk ratio was uh, was scary. But to see him pitch in person, and to see how much bite he has on that breaking ball, I, I was very, very impressed with him. And he kept Mississippi State off balance for much of the ball game. It was two to one for much of the game, and then finally in the eighth inning, finally in the eighth. State's able to pull even. But if you go back and you look at that box score, and you can feel free to do that over on HealthState.com, it's Jake getting a two-out hit. Next thing you know, there's a little bit of a rally going. You know, Rowdy follows with a hit. He's only hit of that ball game, right? And you get a walk to Westburg, and then McNamee battles and battles and battles and battles and battles and has an eight-pitch at bat fouls off a couple full count pitches and then walks in the run. Makes it 2-2. Two to two. In in that building, in Lindsay Stadium or whatever they call it up there, you just felt a lot of the air leave the Tennessee balloon. It just kind of felt, they felt like they had held us down, held us down, held us down. We finally get Stallings out of the ball game and now we've tied the game. 
And while I won't say that I felt overly confident the state was going to win the ball game, I felt like we had kind of overcome a pretty major hurdle. They, in turn, bring in uh, Garrett Crochet, who was kind of their long reliever. And uh, he goes to, you know, three of the final three innings of the ball game, and State finally gets to him. Finally. And he, he was filthy. He was absolutely filthy. Uh, you get to him and put up four runs in the 11th inning. And again, you get the big base hit, and uh, it's, uh, it's you know, what, 4-2? I guess 4-2 in the, nine, in the 11th. And uh, Mangum comes up with the bases loaded. And what does Jake do? He you know, lines a, a single in the left field, drives home two runs, gives State a little breathing room. And you bring in Cole Gordon, you close it out. We do give up the one run there. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, it's one of those wild things where you won a ball game where you weren't very good offensively. I mean, if, you've, you know, if Jake had four hits, you know, as a team we had 11. And they were kind of mixed up and down there. You only had, uh, you know, a couple Bulldogs that had multi-hits in the ballgame. That's Jake Mangum and, and Elijah McNamee. A lot of offers on the night, to be honest with you. You mix and match a lot of those extra inning ball games, But that win, it seemed to really elevate us. Number one, I think it's good for Jake to get the record and kind of get it behind him. You know, and he's, and he's still chasing some of the things, okay? Uh, and let's look at that right now, just so you guys are aware of this. The... Uh, the record, as you guys know, Eddie Furness is at 352. 352. Number two on the list is uh, Preston Tucker and Jay Wagner. Preston from Auburn, Jay, uh, pardon me, Preston from Florida, Jay of Auburn at 341. Mangum currently 339. So a good chance that he uh, takes over sole place, a second place on the all time hits list in the SEC uh, this week. A possibility he could get the record with a huge week um, at Super Bulldog Weekend. I know that there will be a lot of pressure on Jake. I know that he will put a lot of pressure on himself uh, to try to take that record down this week. That's 13 hits. And just to put that in perspective, Jake had 11 hits last week. You know, you don't have the uh, the two midweek games any longer. So you've got a midweek game against South Alabama, who is a good team on Wednesday. Then you have Alabama coming in for Super Bulldog weekend. So why it is, you know, Jake's had a 15-hit week this year. So it is it is conceivable that uh, he could break the record, the SC record here at Super Bulldog weekend. But you know, we'll see how it plays out. I think he needs to have a really good day on Wednesday to really make that more of a realistic possibility. SEC pitching, it's difficult to go put double-digit hits up in a weekend against SEC pitching. But at some point. If Jake stays healthy, then you know Jake will surpass Eddie Furness and probably put the SEC record away, something that we likely will not see broken for a long time. It's very rare to see four-year starters in this league. You remember Jake Mangum won the uh, batting title as a freshman. Jake had 101 hits as a freshman, 90 as a sophomore, 101 as a, as a junior, and he's on pace now to, to, to smash the single-season Mississippi State record as well as, uh, as the all-time career record for Mississippi State and um, the Southeastern Conference. And for those wondering, the NCAA record is 418. That record is likely safe for a long, long time. I, you know, I think Jake will chase it for a while, but I don't think that he'll get there. I mean, he's got 62 hits now. Uh, probably has to play all the way into the um, National College World Series final to have a realistic chance to get there. But, uh, but be that as it may, we're witnessing some history here. 
and in the middle of all this history, we'll win a lot of baseball games. I want to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, the place where the cool kids break bread here in Starkville. You need to make sure that you go by and find your own favorites there. L- love getting messages from people that say, you know what, Steve, we went to Bulldog Burger and we loved it. And, and, you, and you should. And you will. When you're in town, we encourage you to go by. Have the spring rolls. They, are, they will make you better looking. And uh, on behalf of, of the rest of the world, we encourage you to go do that. It, 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 the better looking we all are, the better the world is. But uh, go have the spring rolls. There are new special, new daily specials. And uh, so if you are familiar with the menu and maybe say, you know what, I'm, I would like to try something a little bit different, you can have that great Bulldog Burger Company goodness in a different dish pretty much every time you go, whether it be the sweet heat chicken sandwich, the Angry Bird salad, there's so many great options to choose from. We encourage you to go by, find your favorites, Bulldog Burger Company, the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District, a place in Starkville where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So, uh, as we said, Mississippi State wins game one. Game two, a wild one, to say the least. Not, not much went on offensively. And uh, I know what you guys want to talk about. And I'm going to do my best to explain it. So, Tennessee wins the ball game two to one. Peyton Plumlee saddled with the loss, one and two, and Peyton pitched outstanding. Okay, let's back up a second here. JT Ginn was expected to go on Saturday. I get to the ballpark, start milling around, talking to some of our Mississippi State baseball people, find out, hey, JT's not going today. He may go on Sunday. He had a little arm soreness. He uh, pitched on short rest against LSU, overthrew a little bit, got a little sore. Might give him an extra day's rest, see how it feels tomorrow. If we had won on Saturday, I don't think we saw would have seen JT again on Sunday. I think they would have given him the weekend off. You know, He's a freshman. He's a guy that we've asked a lot of already. And so, uh, you know, people say, well, is he hitting the freshman wall? No, he's not hitting the freshman wall. It's just one of those things that happens. That sometimes as pitchers, all these guys at some point have a little tenderness, whether it be in a shoulder or an elbow or a wrist or a blister or something. There's always a little something. You know, Pitching at this level uh, is a big deal. And uh, you're going to have guys that are going to miss starts from time to time. And so that's the news we wake up to is that Peyton is going to start the ball game. Peyton was outstanding. Peyton goes five and a third, allows two runs on two hits, and uh, one of those runs is earned. And how they scored is a little bit remarkable. So, Tennessee gets a couple guys on, and then they get a sacrifice bunt down. We make the play at first. So, now they're runners at second and third with one out. And then Peyton throws the ball in the dugout. Listen, and here's the deal. I want to make sure people understand, you know, this because I don't know that everybody was able to see the game. This was not a situation where the play was still ongoing. The play was over. The runners had secured their next base. The third base coach is talking to the third base runner. The bat girl comes out from the Tennessee dugout. She is out there on the apron. She's picking up the bat. And so play has stopped. And then Peyton gets a bad baseball and throws it out into the dugout. And at that point, that, that okay, technically, that is the right call. Anybody that throws a live baseball intentionally out of play, each runner on base is awarded two bases. Okay, So that's technical. That is the rule. That is not within the spirit of the rule, though. The spirit of the rule is to prevent an intentional act. So this was not an attempt to gain a competitive advantage. It was simply a situation where Peyton wanted a new baseball. 
Now, there's a couple things that I'll say about that. Number one, you got to make sure time is called. And uh, there was no indication from Peyton. No, I, I can't read his lips, even the video. But uh, there did not appear to be uh, a time being called. I didn't see that. I never saw any umpire throw their hands up to call, to signify time. And traditionally, when when the pitcher wants in baseball, he throws it into the catcher. And then uh, the catcher and or the uh, umpire will roll the other baseball out. But for some reason, Peyton throws in a dugout. Now, it is a mental lapse there. And it cost Mississippi State the ball game. But it's not the only thing that cost Mississippi State the ball game. That, that mistake looms large because of the fact that they only scored two runs and you gave them those two runs. Now, who's to say the next guy comes up uh, and the pitch selection is a little bit different and he hits a three-run home run? I mean, you, 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 we can Monday morning quarterback that thing to, to, to death. To me, the bigger issue with this is there's two, two issues here. Number one, Peyton Plumley pitched outstanding. Peyton Plumley stepped up, you know, finds out on Saturday morning that he's going to have to pitch today and goes up there and probably has his best outing of the year. Second thing is Mississippi State's not going to beat a lot of SEC teams one to nothing. That's really the bigger issue to me. Peyton Plumley gave you a competitive outing. He gave you an opportunity to win the ball game. Mississippi State puts up five hits. Tennessee had three hits. It's a quick ball game. Mississippi State, 32 at-bats, five hits, two walks. After Tennessee takes the lead on that uh, wild play, Mississippi State did not have a hit the rest of the ball game. Apartment, they had one hit the rest of the ball game. State only had two base runners the rest of the ball game. And so when you begin to kind of break this thing down, when you're that anemic offensively, it's going to be tough to win a game. And let, let, let's say you go back to that, you know, situation. Let's say you give up the sack fly there and it's a 1-1 ball game. And, you know, it's a different deal. But the bottom line is the Mississippi State offense was non-existent on Saturday. Absolutely non-existent. And there were a lot of selfish at-bats. I heard that uh, John Cohen used that term, and I agree. One of the things that we learned, I had never covered a baseball game at Tennessee, is the Smoky Mountain wins – are much different at night than they are during the day. During the day, there's a lot of wind pushing balls out to left or towards the left field line. At night, the wind has died down, and as you saw, there were several balls that were struck very, very well. I thought the one Magnamy hit and I thought one that Foscu hit were both going to leave the yard, and they just kind of got out there and died in that thick air short of the warning track. But it seemed like later in the ball games that everybody, because of the fact we'd had such a good uh, BP, balls were jumping during the uh, daylight hours that we go out there trying to win the game or tie the game on one swing rather than just you know sticking with our approach and hitting line drives that was a disappointment and uh, and while we didn't make more of an in-game adjustment I can't really answer that but I felt like as much as the play by Peyton Plumlee is kind of magnified and that's what everybody remembers the bigger issue is here is that we did not hit good pitching Lingenfelter did a good job against Mississippi State. He had that cut fastball work, and we were getting under it, you know, popping up a lot. He goes six and two-thirds of an inning, uh, allows five hits. And then when Redmond Walsh comes in, Redmond Walsh is the closer for Tennessee, he's perfect, perfect. He goes two and two-thirds, two two and one-thirds of an inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, three strikeouts. 
Faced seven batters, got three flyouts, a ground out, and three Ks. 28 pitches, folks. 28 pitches. Tell me we weren't being impatient at the plate. So, again, it is a team game. And let's just say, for an example, you have you know, a couple guys come up and, and put a couple doubles together late in the ball game. It's, we're, t- we're having a different conversation today. And so, while that big play with Plumlee is what looms large, uh, the, the team lost the ball game. The team lost the ball game. And the offensive effort um, was lacking. Let's just say that. So, we get into Sunday, and uh, JT Gim, we find out he's, uh, he's going to give it a go. JT did not look comfortable from the very first hitter. I thought he came out in the first or second pitch. He just kind of seemed to be fidgeting out there, and uh, like he just couldn't get loose. And I know what a competitor he is, and everybody that knows him will tell you uh, he's going to go out there and give his best effort, even if he's not 100%. And I, so I commend the Mississippi State coaching staff for kind of recognizing the fact that he was struggling. Uh, big, big first inning. You know, had some balls get up on him. And uh, for this is one of those deals, too, where he had a home plate umpire that, that really wasn't giving him that outer corner. And sometimes you get the right guy, and you can find a group pretty early. But it just seemed like it was kind of the perfect storm. JT wasn't feeling 100%. Got an umpire that was a little bit, you know, a little bit tight on the zone. The next thing you know, you know, we're putting some people on. And, uh, you know, we can, we can break down that in as best we can. But, you know, the, you, they give a leadoff single. And then you come back and you get the, the strikeout looking on a full count. And, and, again, that's important too, full count. The next hitter, and I don't even know how to pronounce this kid's name, uh, Lips, Lips, Lipsius, he, he killed us all weekend. He, he didn't have much on Saturday, but uh, killed us Friday and had a big game Sunday. But uh, – he doubles, drives in the run on a 3-1 pitch. Then you give up a 1-1 single. Guys are moving. You know, then it's like you give up a hit and you start getting behind hitters, and it just seemed like it wasn't going to be a good inning for, for, uh, for JT, and it wasn't. So you go ahead and, and, and pull him from the ball game, and I, and I was told privately JT wanted to stay in the game. Chris Lamona said, I don't know how happy he is with me for pulling him. Uh, but that's the reality of things. And, and listen, you want to err on the side of caution. And it was one of those things, too, where it gives somebody else an opportunity to step up. Because I think everybody felt like once State won that game on Friday, you say, okay, with JT going on Saturday, we're going to win this series and have a chance to sleep on Sunday. That's exactly how I felt. And then uh, I'll tell you Friday night, I saw JT visiting with some people, and he didn't look 100%. You know, and so – I wasn't completely shocked to get there Saturday and find out that he wasn't starting. But then when they said, okay, well, he can probably go on Sunday. You know, I'm like all of you. Anytime there is change, I don't like it. You know, especially when it comes to health or it comes to people, you know, missing appointments or their availability and that sort of stuff. Uh, And so the main thing is State is able to overcome that. And uh, when you look at the Sunday game, Keegan James comes in on short rest. Keegan gives you three innings. One hit, one run, one strikeout. The big issue there, the two hit by pitches, but he's able to kind of get around that. And I really thought that in a play that probably won't make the paper, is they had runners at second, third, less than two outs, and they get it. They hit a a laser beam chopper back up the middle, 
and Keegan gets up and gets a glove on it and then gets the runner at third, and that seemed to be the, a momentum killer for Tennessee. If that ball gets through and both of those runs score, we're having a different conversation today. I think we can all admit that. But instead, Keegan makes a play. The very next play, it's a back-to-back chopper. Back to him, another comebacker. We get the runner at first. We're out of the inning. The emotion in the Mississippi State dugout completely changed. Completely changed after that. It was a different ball game. And I think it's big for Keegan's confidence. And I, th- I really think that that's really the issue with Keegan. It's just him kind of trusting the stuff and kind of, you know what, I, I, I can do that. I'm good enough. I can go do this. And, and I think hopefully this will be a turning point for him. Thought thought he was outstanding. Now, Will Neely, the pitcher from Tennessee, very, very scary situation with him. So State's got a bit of a rally going. And then Rowdy Jordan hits an absolute laser that uh, hits Neely in the leg, ankle area, and uh, it was kind of a sickening sound in, in the uh, in the stadium. And you knew he was in trouble. I mean, it was one of those deals. I don't know what the exit feeling on that thing was, but you, you knew he was in some trouble. And they come out, and uh, he's writhing on the on the ground there in pain. And so there was, an, there was an interchange that happened. And I want to do my best to kind of explain because I know people were asking me on Twitter, and I was able to get some clarification in the postgame. So as soon as Rowdy hits the baseball, instinctively, everybody in the Mississippi State dugout cheers. Okay, and then all of a sudden, as we see that Neely is hit, and Neely is down, Lamona says, hey guys, hey guys, knock it out. So the Mississippi State dugout stops. So okay, nobody's cheering the injury. People are cheering the fact that the inning has been extended. Coach from Tennessee comes out, looks in a Mississippi State dugout's direction, puts his hands out, and says, you got to be kidding me. I don't think any less of him for that comment, even though he was misguided in that situation. I know he's emotional and worried about his kid. He says, are you guys kidding me? And Lamona says words to the effect, I don't know if it's not a direct quote, but Chris says, hey, how about you, you worry about your team and I'll worry about mine. Uh, I'm happy to see our coach stick up for our guys because clearly there was nothing intentional. We would never cheer an injury. There's there's a fraternity in college baseball, really in the game itself, where while these guys are spirited competitors between the lines, nobody wants to see anybody come up lame. Everybody understands the sacrifice uh, that goes into uh, to putting a team together and the preparation you know, for, to go play a college baseball season. Nobody wants to see that. You, you, you would love to knock Will Neely out of the game by hitting a couple of bombs back-to-back and having him leave the game with 100% health and a loss because that's what competitors do. Nobody ever comes out there and says, hey, well, we want to knock him out of the ball game and injure him and, and um, possibly end his, uh, his season. And he's a senior, too, so that could, could possibly end his career. No, nobody wants that. But that's what began this chirping. And then in the middle of all of this, the pitching coach from Tennessee says something, and nobody will tell me what, which that, which that tells me it's inappropriate. The coach from Tennessee, the, assist, the p- p- pitching coach from Tennessee, said something, and the home plate umpire ejected him immediately. I guess it's home plate umpire. But, yeah, 
But the bottom line is, that's what kind of brought all that to be. I think the bigger issue there is Coach Cresimona sticking up for his guys. But again, don't go get on Twitter and start tweeting their coach because, you know, you got to understand that's the last thing that any coach wants to see under any circumstance. Nobody wants to see one of their guys that they have worked with, seen them put in all the off-season conditioning work, and then to see them, you know, crumpled up on the, uh, on the field of play what could be a serious injury. And so don't think any less of those guys, but uh, think, think a lot of your guy for sticking up for your baseball team. So, Tristan Barlow comes in uh, after Keegan goes out. And, again, Keegan was good. He was great. A lot of ground outs from Keegan, too. And, I, and to me, that's when Keegan's going well. When Keegan's doing well, he's getting under barrels and he's having him beat the ball on the ground. But Tristan Barlow comes in, uh, has a couple of good innings, and then kind of was the victim of, of that wild wind out there. You know, it was like State was finally ahead in the ball game, And you felt like it was a little bit comfortable. Finally felt like, okay, now maybe we'll go ahead and put this thing away. And uh, they bring in a pinch hitter, and what do they do? They hit a two-run bomb. <laughs> it's like State gets uh, gets two in the fourth, one in the fifth. And then finally you get two in the sixth, and you're thinking, okay, all right, we're up 6-3. Pitching's holding up. We're going to be in good shape here. And the next thing you know, things are getting away from you. And so Barlow gives up that bomb, but um, – uh, that was kind of a watershed moment, too. I really felt like State responded to that adversity you know, pretty well, rather than kind of folding up shop and thinking, okay, we're in trouble here. They found a way to overcome it. And, uh, again, pitching. And if, you'd, if somebody had told you heading into the week, hey, we're going we're gonna to win two out of three, and uh, JT Ginn's not even going to pitch, you'd have felt pretty good about that. Then you'd say, well, hey, if he'd have pitched, we'd have swept. possibly but the bottom line is the state had some adversity here and they found a way to overcome it uh, but looking at this pitching numbers too I really thought the hero of the day and there were a lot of heroes on the weekend really but when you look at what Jared Liebelt did and those final three frames I mean as good a relief appearance as, uh, as, you, as I've seen I mean it, he was absolutely outstanding spoke with him in the post game you can see that video for free over on Gene's page too but he comes in, gives you three innings, allows just two hits, one of those in the ninth. Uh, had an unbelievable eighth inning, a five-pitch eighth, eighth, inning, eighth inning. And uh, I, I want to run this down for you because I think it's important. Because in that, in that, in that inning, you know, you, you're facing some dudes there. You get Mar- Martinez to fly out on the ver- very first pitch. You get Ferguson to ground out on a 1-1 pitch, and you get Rucker to ground out on one pitch. That's getting it done. That is absolutely getting it done. And so you kind of felt like then, I remember turning to people next to me, I said, you know, if, if it's me, I think I bring him back. I think I come right back with him just because of the fact that, uh, you know, he, he's clearly shown that he can get these guys out. But he hangs in there, does a great job, comes back out in the ninth. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's one of those things that I've learned about life. When you get the first out in the ninth inning, it seems like things kind of begin to get downhill for you. When you walk that guy or he gets a hit, I think he scores 700,000% of the time. But you get the ground out to open it, and it was, you know, it was great play by Jordan Westberg. I mean, he hit right as a bullet hit at him, but he makes a, a very clean play. And then you give up the single uh, to Ammons. And you wild pitch him over, and so the tying run is at the plate. And what does Lee Belt do? He gets Charleston to strike out swinging. 
That Jay Charleston, Jay, Jay Charleston's a good player. You're going to hear from him again. And then you get their three-hole hitter, uh, Luke Lipsius. And I apologize for anybody that knows that name. He strikes him out swinging on a 2-2 pitch on a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. And it just kind of felt like, you know what, this is exactly what was supposed to happen. And uh, so, again, State takes two out of three in the series and really doesn't get the benefit of uh, the pitching you guys maybe had expected them to have. Perhaps the biggest question heading into the weekend was going to be, what are we going to do for that Sunday starter? What are we going to do on the weekends? And then you see Peyton Plumley and Keegan James both kind of step up. And Keegan pitched twice this week. People forget that. You know, Keegan pitched over to, on, on Wednesday, and he was credited with the win yesterday. And so I think you've kind of answered some questions this weekend, which makes me think, okay, you don't have to rush JT. If JT is still a little bit tender this week, you know, it, it's okay to hold him back. I know he will want to go, but if he's not 100%, you pull him back a little bit. But it really bodes well for the for the stretch. When you begin to look at the, the rest of this season, if you can find a guy that can be a reliable third starter, and, and that, that's that's a mystery every year. But based on what I saw this weekend and the intensity these guys showed, you know, I think you can feel like, you know what, we, we have some options. And it's amazing how life works. You know, a month ago we felt like, you know what, we've got as good a pitch of staff as anybody in the country. And then uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks, people were thinking, oh, we've been exposed. Uh, and again, not a big fan of that word, but the bottom line is, is Mississippi State, I believe, finds some answers this weekend. Now, let's take a look at who's hot over the weekend before we get into uh, what it all means in the league. Uh, Jake Mangum, as you would expect, Jake Mangum, the hottest hitter on the team, 11 of 21 last week, 11 of 21. Uh, Jordan Westbrook goes 3 of 15 on the week. Tanner Allen, 5 of 17. Elijah Magnum with a good week, 7 uh, for 15. Also had four walks. He continues to lead the team in walks. It's pretty rare to see a cleanup hitter lead the team in walks without m- many of those being intentional. It just It's just kind of an anomaly, but it shows how patient he's being as a hitter. He told me recently, he said a lot of times he's getting his own self out by chasing balls to the right of his own. But if you'll notice, just like in that ball game, that when he works it for a walk with two outs to tie the ball game uh, on Friday, when he needs to be a patient hitter, his, p- his pitch selection is outstanding. Justin Foscue, 6 of 18 uh, on the week last week. Rowdy Jordan, 6 of 18. I don't know we win the ball game yesterday without Rowdy. That solo home run really ignited the Bulldog dugout. And then, of course, he, he starts the big rally late with a double down the line. And that, I'm going to tell you, that scenario there, the way that all that unfolded with Rowdy getting the double down the line to open the inning, Halter comes in, and Gunner had a tough week last week offensively. He's struggling a little bit right now. But Gunner comes in, puts down a perfect sacrifice bunt, nearly beats it out, moves moves Rowdy to third, and then Cumbus comes in, has a very competitive at-bat, just trying to get something elevated to the right side. And what does he do? He hits one out there, and then uh, the throw comes in, it's a little bit up the line, Rowdy scores. That You just can't execute it any better than Mississippi State did in that situation. You needed an insurance run. You're up 6-5, and next thing you know, you do it. And uh, that is really kind of maximizing the opportunity and playing good team baseball there. And uh, as soon as that happened, I thought to myself, there is absolutely not a better way to do this. And uh, that's that's yeah, that's pretty much the bottom third of your order right there, you know, kind of piecing this thing together. 
And, uh, you know, if, if this team is going to make a run in the SEC championship, and, again, it's going to be difficult because of the, the schedule is more favorable to Vanderbilt. Okay, that's the, that's the reality of things. And State's got to stop giving these games away when they have opportunities to sweep. We have got to go get a sweep somewhere and kind of climb back in this thing. Uh, and, and I think we missed an opportunity this weekend, but that's beside the point. But you're going to have to have production from the bottom third. Jake Mangum, Elijah McNamee, Justin Foskey, they're not going to be able to carry this team. You're going to have to have production on the bottom third. And when State's doing well, when State's riding high, that bottom third's producing for you. Uh, that happens there. And so uh, big, big week ahead of us with South Alabama coming in on Wednesday and then Alabama coming in. And I want to go ahead and tell you guys this before we look around the league. And make sure you understand this because there's a lot of miscommunication, a lot of misinformation out there. I touched on this last week. If you are looking for chair bag tickets, they can still be found. They are sold on a weekly basis. So tomorrow, Tuesday, Bulldog Club members that are looking for chair bags for this weekend, if there are any available, you will have an opportunity to purchase them to the Mississippi State Ticket Office. You can log on, go through your login, and you can buy those on Tuesday. If you are not a member of the Bulldog Club, and you should be, anything that is left will be available for the general public on Wednesday. So there are still chair back tickets that may or may not be available. But there are some people that have kind of thrown their hands up and said, hey, you can't get them. No, you can get them. They're difficult to get, but they're still available. And that is a weekly deal. So when State is playing at home that weekend, the Tuesday before, those tickets go on sale to Bulldog Club members. So take advantage of that. You can check with third-party you know, groups, and there's, there's Facebook groups out there. You can get them on StubHub. You know, there's a lot of third-party vendors out there that you can go get those tickets from. But if you want to buy them directly from the university and save a few bucks, they'll be available for you. Now, we need huge crowds this weekend. Now, I expect a huge crowd on Saturday. There'll be a lot of standard room-only tickets sold. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be tight. But we got a chance to set a new attendance record. We, we will have a memorable crowd on Saturday. As you guys are aware, the Maroon and White game is going to take place at 1, and I guess baseball is at 3. And that, trust me, there'll be no you'll have no tr- trouble getting out of football and getting down to baseball. Just you know, park and just walk on down and join us at baseball. But there's going to be big, big, big crowd. Plan ahead. Can be part of that. It's probably going to be uh, a record. I would, I would suspect it will be. you got a really good baseball team on the field. But understand, be careful with your tickets. Be careful, you know, about who you buy from, how you facilitate that transaction, and go through reputable vendors to get those. It's going to be a big, big weekend. And we need you here. It's as simple as that. We need you here. It's kind of like that one family reunion, you know what I'm saying, when we all can get together and kind of enjoy everything that's great about Mississippi State sport this weekend. It's a big baseball series for Mississippi State and, and, uh, and the postseason chances as well. So as it stands right now, Mississippi State currently two games out of first place in overall SEC lead. Georgia, 9-3 and three in the conference. Uh, Georgia continues to pitch it really, really well. You'll get a chance to see them at Duty Noble Field a little bit later this year. Uh, they're 9-3. and three. Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss right there at 8-4. and four. Ole Miss with a big um, series win over Florida. Kind of a loud win, you know, but that's one of those things after they got embarrassed by North Alabama earlier this week, they bounced back. And uh, Florida finally finally drop side of the uh, D1 baseball rankings Florida now 4 and 8 in the league 21 and 13 overall 
uh, really kind of an embarrassment and indictment on some of our friends in baseball media to kind of keep them in there. It, it almost seems like it's, well, we know at some point they'll get it together. Uh, well, when they get it together, that's when you go rank them. Uh, but, you know, again, Georgia first place and then uh, Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss right there together. A&M said 7-4-1. and one. That tie is going to come in and cost somebody at some point. Mississippi State right there at 7-5, and five, tied with Vanderbilt. Will be a, a very interesting uh, stretch run, to say the least. Missouri 5-6-1. and one. Uh, Auburn right there with us at 7-5-2. But uh, if you begin to kind of taking shape here and looking, okay, look at the bottom half of this league. And who is not going to make it to Hoover? So if the SEC tournament started today, Kentucky, South Carolina, Alabama in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. South Carolina three and nine, Kentucky two and ten, Alabama four and eight. Alabama takes the series over South Carolina this weekend. This weekend's a chance for State to kind of get fat. We can't keep winning series. You know, it's like again, I tell people it's not about the series you win; it's the games you win. You only get 30 opportunities to do this. And so a, a win over Alabama is the same as a win over Georgia. It all counts the same in the standings. And that's a big part of things right now is finding a way to kind of gain some separation because Mississippi State's proven to be a pretty good road team. When you kind of look around the league here, you know, State's among the, the best teams in the league with a road record. And so to go get a road win in the SEC is big. And uh, now we've got to go protect the home turf. But, um, you know, a big weekend in the league as always. And this weekend, you know, you'll, you'll start to see a thinning of the herd uh, here in the weeks ahead. And we need to make sure the Mississippi State's on the positive side of that. I think when you look back, we can all lament some of the games we let get away from us. Because outside of that LSU ball game, I really feel like that's the only game Mississippi State's been beaten in. There have been every game where you, you didn't execute something or you kind of gave something away. And you can make the argument that it was more about what we didn't do rather than what they did. So that's where State stands right now, two games out of first place. And the good thing is is that everybody in front of, LA, uh, in front of Mississippi State, with the exception of LSU, Mississippi State, will play head-to-head. So you have an opportunity to kind of control your own destiny. But the bottom line is we're beginning to kind of come into focus right now. It's, you know, listen, we're going to be at the halfway point here in the SEC after this weekend. Let, 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 let that sink in for a second. We're going to be halfway through the conference schedule. And so you'll kind of have a pretty good idea of who the contenders are and who the pretenders are. And uh, Mississippi State, again, you go out and get three wins this weekend, you know what, you make up those two games and get some help from somebody else, the next thing you know, you're right there in the thick of things. Uh, and, and, again, I think with uh, with Georgia's power arms and Mississippi State's you know, proven they can hit good pitching, uh, that'll be a very interesting series. Glad that one's at home, to say the least. Glad that one is at home. Uh, need a lot of you gear, guys out here to kind of come enjoy that ball game with us. So let's take a quick look at the uh, the D1 baseball, Paul. That that's the one that I typically kind of gravitate to because those guys actually get out and go cover college baseball. There are a lot of people that are you know, sitting in a basement somewhere, kind of putting a list together, you know, based on reading scores. But I, I appreciate people that get out and go watch baseball. And so uh, Mississippi State comes in today, number six in the country in the D1 baseball, Paul, up two spots from eight. Could have made an argument that they uh, probably should be a little bit higher. You know, we'll see. Uh, that, that's the good thing about midseason rankings is that uh, that doesn't change anything. You know, it's like we continue to play baseball. It's not a matter of opinion. But uh, but here here's uh, here's how it all runs out. Georgia number one. Pardon me. UCLA number one. Georgia number two. NC State is three. They go two and two last week and stay at number three. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, Oregon State back up to number four. 
uh, Stanford at five. So you get three Pac-12 teams in a top five. L- l- let me share you this. My personal opinion as a guy that watches a lot of Pac-12 baseball, it's been Oregon State and everybody else for the last few years. The Pac-12 is better this year. They're better collectively. So when you see that, when you begin to see things kind of skewing west, you can go ahead and expect there's going to be probably a couple national seeds in the west this year. A couple of years ago, they couldn't even find anybody in the west to be a national seed. That's how bad it was. But it's a different deal. It's a different day and time now. It's a good good league. Mississippi State 6, Vanderbilt 7, East Carolina up to number 8. You know, remember Mississippi State, that's a, that's a big midweek win for State that's going to play well in the RPI. And the latest RPI I saw is Mississippi State was 12. Uh, LSU at 9, A&M at 10. State will have an opportunity to play them in uh, the first weekend in May. Ole Miss, of course, number 11 after a loud weekend win up seven spots of knocking down Florida. Arkansas at 12. They're 2-2 two two last week, I'm going to tell you. And some big news out of Arkansas today is uh, they have lost uh, their right-handed pitcher, Jacob Kotschowski for the next couple of weeks. I, I know I'm saying that wrong. I'm so sorry. Kostichok, he's going to miss the next two weeks. Uh, he is uh, one of their best relievers, and he will be – Mississippi State will be there in two weeks. Uh, so that's significant. Arizona State's 13, uh, a little bit overrated to begin with. That that record is not in, indicative of how, you know – talented they really are. I guess, you know, they went 1-3 last week and dropped from 7-13. to 13. Texas uh, is 14, Texas Tech 15, Clemson 16, Georgia Tech 17, the Anteaters of UC Irvine 18, TCU's there at 19, Louisville 20, North Carolina 21, Auburn 22. They went 1-3 last week. 1-3. UC Santa Barbara 23, Baylor 24, Coastal Carolina 25, and out of the rankings, Florida, UConn, Oklahoma State. Uh, so, good week for Mississippi State. Now, let's look ahead here. And, and, yes, it could have been a better week for Mississippi State. Let's look ahead just so we make sure we're all on the same page here. Mississippi State will welcome South Alabama to Duke Noble Field on Wednesday. That's a 6.30 first pitch. I suspect with uh, the situation with JT Ginn somewhat fluid that you might throw Sarantola and kind of Johnny Holstaff this thing uh, against South Alabama on Wednesday. I, I think you've got to save Keegan James and Peyton Plumley for the weekend. I think you have to do it. And if JT if it was 100%, then maybe you go ahead and throw you know Keegan or, or Peyton, or or maybe you do like you did last week. I, I don't know, but I, I will tell you, I suspect that we'll see things a little different uh, this week. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that that uh, that midweek game, it's an RPI deal for you. South Alabama's probably going to sneak in the tournament somewhere. I think, you know, they're one of those teams that uh, seems to kind of figure it out when they get in their league. They've had they've had a, a great program there for the last several years. They're, they're, they're struggling right now a little bit. But I will not be surprised to see them kind of piece this thing together and make a run at it late. They will come in. Uh, let's see, they're 14 and 17 right now overall, and uh, four and eight in the league. They uh, lost a, a series to Alabama earlier in the year uh, at home, and and uh, man, how about Alabama going on the road and playing uh, playing those guys on the road? But uh, but be that as it may, Alabama takes three of them, all three. It's uh, March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Auburn 
Auburn takes a 6-2 win over them. And uh, so when you look at what's coming up for those guys, they've got, uh, let's see, right before they play Mississippi State, they're off. They, they lose two out of three of the weekend at Coastal Carolina. They lost to LSU last weekend, so they've lost three of four. And looks like going back even minute, they've really struggled as of late. <laughs> they lose to Arkansas State, Southeastern, and then loses three to South, UT Arlington. That's five. They beat Southern Miss. So that's one and five. Then lose to LSU. That's one and six. And they lose over the weekend. So they're, what, two and eight in the last ten. They will arrive at Mississippi State and uh, we'll have an opportunity to play them before they head to uh, to UL Lafayette. Now, we have Alabama coming in next weekend. I mentioned Alabama might be the weakest team in the West. That doesn't mean, doesn't mean Mississippi State can afford to lay down here. We've got to find a way to win all three. And, and, and yes, we can kind of keep moving along it, and uh, winning series and, and letting the traffic clear around us. But if we're really going to make a run at this thing, we need to go sweep the series against Alabama. I think they're a vulnerable team. I think with the crowds and the stadium and Super Bulldog weekend that we can have a little magic. It should be a great weekend uh, for baseball. So Friday is a 6.30, 6.30 start, and then 3 p.m. on Saturday and 3 p.m. on Sunday. So we will have some daytime baseball. Saturday is going to be a fun day. So come, go ahead and make plans to be here all day. We'll just go ahead and get on up here and um, come enjoy the Maroon and White game and then come to baseball. And you'll still have an opportunity to get home at a decent hour. But most of the true Maroon will be staying overnight. Uh and having a good time with us. And so we encourage you, come on out here and be with us and uh, enjoy Mississippi State baseball. So that's going to do it for today. It's uh, an all-baseball show, and we're going to have – we're going to talk some – we'll get into some football later in the week on, on Wednesday. We'll have an opportunity to speak with uh, Jim Moorhead on uh, Tuesday. Had the scrimmage over the weekend. Uh, and, again, continue to hear Keaton Thompson is is the guy. Keaton Thompson, while well, I hadn't been officially declared, Keaton Thompson remains ahead – of uh, of his competition and um, expecting Keaton to win that job ultimately. So we'll talk more about that on Wednesday. But uh, right now, focus is on baseball uh, and with uh, college basketball ending today. And, and for me, it ended when Mississippi State was eliminated. I don't really care about anybody else. I live in a big maroon bubble. And so a lot, a lot of people are saying, man, I can't wait to see this game tonight. Yeah, listen, I, I'll watch Big Bang Theory reruns or something else. I don't really care. But I am excited to be back at Dirty Noble Field for a few games and uh, looking forward to uh, to being around you folks as well. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.